established. of the third kind. Welcome to Theories of the Third Kind. My name is Aaron, and I am one of your hosts today. There's another host that is joining me, Daniel Sun. Heyo. Now, real quick, before we start today's episode, I just want to say that if you would like to support the show, then there's a few ways that you could do that. One of the ways is Patreon. Each week, we release a Patreon-exclusive episode that only Patreon supporters can get access to. To sign up, it's only $5 a month, which is only 16 cents a day. Not only do you get an extra episode per week for that $5, but you also get access to our entire back catalog of past Patreon episodes. In total, we have over 121 extra Patreon episodes which is a lot of extra hours for your listening pleasure. So to see this full list of past Patreon episodes, you can go to our website, theoriesofthethirdkind.com, click on the Patreon Episodes tab, and there will be an entire list of past Patreon-exclusive episodes that we have published. Also, today we added another Patreon-exclusive episode, which is over monkeypox. On that episode, we go over what it is, the first documented case of monkeypox in humans, and then the current and past outbreaks that are going on, as well as some strange facts and findings and some theories about it. So you get access to that episode, as well as all of the others, for just $5. Now, if you can't afford a Patreon membership, but you want to help us out, then you can leave us a written review on iTunes or on Spotify, and that will help us out a lot. However, don't feel pressure to leave us one. If you don't want to, then that's fine. We just want you guys, girls, aliens, reptilians, Bigfoot, Sasquatches, Chupacabras, ghosts, Illuminati members, underground lizard people, whoever or whatever you are, to enjoy the show. And that is the end of the announcements. So today's episode is over vaccines. So how this episode will go today is that we'll talk about the history of vaccines, what they are, how they get approved, and then we'll go into some disasters that have occurred in history that have been caused by vaccines. And then we'll go into some strange facts and findings, theories, and then wrap it up with our own personal thoughts and theories. Real quick, before this episode starts, I know it is considered a touchy one. So I just want to say we are independent researchers. We do not push any political or religious agendas. We search for the truth and give it to you listeners regardless of where that leads us even if that truth is hard to accept. Also, we do not follow any narrative or take money from any organization or country to push a certain topic. The only thing we push is the truth, and I want to make that clear before this episode starts. So with that being said, let's get into today's episode. The government's News media, scientists, and even Google will all tell you that vaccinations are safe and an effective way of protecting people against harmful diseases. However, this has not always been the case. What if we told you that in 1942, the United States forced all of its military members to receive the yellow fever vaccine? Shortly after, Around 330,000 United States military members tested positive for hepatitis B. Or that from 1955 to 1963, around 10 to 30% of all polio vaccines were contaminated with SV40, which ended up infecting millions. Or that the United States government has a compensation fund for individuals who have gotten injured from a vaccination. And this program has paid out over $4.7 billion. This is Vaccines. 
All right, so to start this entire episode off, we need to first discuss what vaccines are so that we have like a basic understanding of them. So Dan, tell us, what are vaccines? Okay, so when you think of vaccines, you normally think about getting a shot either in your arm or your ass. Ooh. However, vaccines aren't just shots. They're sometimes nasal sprays, liquids, or even pills that can be taken orally or anally, which is what I prefer. Now, there are multiple different types of vaccines that all work in different ways, such as live attenuated vaccines that use a weakened form of the germ, inactivated vaccines that use a killed version of the germ, toxoid vaccines that use a toxin made by the germ, and many others, such as the mRNA vaccines and viral vector vaccines. Now, even though these vaccines all work in different ways, they all have one goal which is to teach your body's immune system to recognize and defend itself against specific viruses and bacterias. All right, so that right there is the basic understanding of what vaccines are without us going super deep into it and it getting boring, okay? Now, before we hop into the juicy stuff, we're going to give you a quick history lesson about vaccines. So the history of vaccines go way back to the year 1000 AD. Around this time, my so-called ancient ancestors in China were all getting smallpox and dying by the assloads. All of a sudden, they started to figure out that if you purposely infected someone with smallpox and they survive, then they are immune to it. So what did the Chinese people start doing? Well, their asses started grinding up smallpox scabs and then blowing the dust of that into people's nostrils so that these people would be purposely infected and then when they would recover from it, they would be immune to smallpox. Which, by the way, that's absolutely disgusting, in my opinion. It really is. But hey, teach their own, I guess. Yeah, and uh, even the Chinese emperor at the time purposely did this to his children. You know, crushed up some smallpox scabs and blew it in their face. Ugh. Now, this method of purposely infecting someone was called variolation, and it started to grow in popularity around the world. Even 600 years later, in 1672, English writer and poet Lady Mary Wortley, who had been disfigured by smallpox, had her children publicly inoculated to prevent them from getting the disease as well. So this method of protecting people from smallpox continued until a little over a hundred years later in the late 1700s. During this time, a doctor in Great Britain named Edward Jenner, he was sitting there studying smallpox and he noticed something odd. Edward noticed that all the dairy maids who had contracted cowpox, their asses weren't getting smallpox. And Edward was like, huh. This gave Edward an idea that maybe people who contracted cowpox become immune to smallpox. So to test this theory, Edward found a dairy maid who had fresh cowpox lesions on her hands. He scratched the scabs of the lesions onto the skin of an eight-year-old boy named James Phipps, who had never had cowpox or smallpox. Of course, this eight-year-old boy ended up developing cowpox. Now, a short time later, after he recovered from it, Edward tried inoculating him with smallpox. And guess what? The eight-year-old boy never got smallpox. He was immune to it because he had cowpox. And cowpox made him immune to smallpox. Damn. Way to go, Edward. The use of this vaccination spread rapidly in England. Then almost 100 years later, French physician Louis Pasteur pioneered a newer method of vaccination called attenuation. Louis showed that you could prevent a disease by infecting humans with weakened germs. This led him to developing a vaccine in 1885 that prevented rabies in a child who had been bitten by a rabid dog. This moment in history was pretty much the start of the modern era of vaccinations. Since then, Vaccines have revolutionized global health. They've eradicated viruses like smallpox, and they have nearly eliminated the polio virus, and in turn, it has saved millions of lives. However, there have been some disasters that have occurred from vaccines that not many people talk about. But before we get into those, we first need to discuss how vaccines are approved because this plays a vital part in the disasters, okay? So, Dan, tell us, how easy is it to get a vaccine approved? Well, 
in the United States to get a vaccine approved for distribution to the public, you have to follow an ass load of steps and the processes are then reviewed by the FDA, aka the Food and Drug Administration. For example, let's say you own a company and you want to create and distribute a vaccine to the public. The first thing you have to do is that you must submit an IND, Investigational New Drug Application, to the FDA. This IND describes the vaccine you have, how it will be manufactured, and the quality control tests for release. Now after that, your vaccine will then go into different phases of clinical studies and trials. Now in phase one, these trials are small, and they usually only involve between 20 to 100 volunteers, and it lasts a few months. Now the goal of this phase one is to evaluate basic safety and to identify any common reactions of this vaccination. In phase two, these trials involve several hundred participants. This can last anywhere from a few months to two years. This phase studies and evaluates the safety and efficiency, as well as the data that is gained in this phase lets the developers know how many doses are necessary. Then you go into phase three, which these trials involve several thousands of volunteers. Now this phase sometimes can last for years, and it is in this stage when the safety and efficiency of the vaccine is finalized. After those three phases are done, and the vaccine is deemed safe and effective, the company will then submit some paperwork to the FDA. This paperwork is a biologics license application, aka BLA, as well as an application for the production plant to make the vaccines. The FDA will then review the paperwork, which this paperwork contains all of the clinical trials information from all those three test phases, years and years of data. The FDA reviews all of that. Now, after they review all of that and they review the application, they will then go and inspect the production facility. And they kind of make sure that everything is safe. And if that's the case, the company is then licensed to produce the vaccine for use to the general population. It doesn't stop there because even after the FDA approves everything, there is an advisory committee on the immunization practices, a.k.a. the ACIP, which is pretty much a group of medical and public health experts, they review the vaccine. This group then creates recommendations on how this vaccine should be used to control disease in the United States. Now, these recommendations are then sent to the CDC and the United States Department of Health and Human Services for approval. Now, once they get approved, these recommendations are used as final and official CDC guidances of this vaccine for the United States population. You would think it would end there, but it doesn't. There is post-approval, monitoring, and research. For example, the company that is making the vaccine has to send a sample from every vaccine lot to the FDA for review prior to its distribution. During this period, the ACIP, aka the Committee of Medical and Public Health Experts, continue to monitor the vaccine for safety and effectiveness. And that right there is pretty much how to get approval of a vaccine. And it is an ass load of work. The timeline of it takes years. However, there is an exception. Uh-oh. This exception is called an emergency use authorization. This authorization allows the FDA to authorize unapproved medical products to be used in emergencies to strengthen the nation's public health protections against certain threats, which includes infectious diseases. So let's say there is a deadly virus circulating the world and we can't wait years for a vaccine to get approved. The FDA will give a vaccine this EUA authorization to protect the public. Now, this authorization means that this vaccine, it doesn't have to go through those years of testing that is the standard approval protocol for vaccines. It's just rushed through the process. Now, because of this, there have been some bad outcomes in history regarding vaccines when this EAU authorization has been used, which we are now going to get into. Vaccine disasters throughout history. And this is the juicy stuff, ladies and gentlemen, and aliens, and the elite, and the Illuminati. Because I know you're listening. Especially with the title of this one. Oh, <laughs> absolutely, yeah. 
And must I say, what a pain in the ass it must be to get a vaccine approved, huh? Seems like a very pain in the ass process for sure. Yeah. But hey, if you got that EUA, phew. All right. So let's talk about this first vaccine disaster. Tell us about it, Dan. So the first one that we're going to talk about today involves yellow fever. So yellow fever, if you don't know, is a viral hemorrhagic disease that is transmitted by infected mosquitoes. Symptoms include chills, nausea, loss of appetite, headaches, and muscle pain. Now, most people who get yellow fever end up improving around five days later. However, around 15% of people who get it, the fever ends up returning along with abdominal pain, jaundice, which is yellowing of the skin and eyes, as well as liver damage. Up to half of those individuals end up dying. So does that mean that 7.5% of the people who get it die? That's what it seems like. Huh, that sucks. So this yellow fever originated in Africa, and in the 15th century, it spread to other parts of the world because of the Europeans, you know, they were being assholes, and they were like, hey, let's go enslave some Africans and then traffic them to other continents. And, you know, some of those slaves had the yellow fever, and it was spread all throughout the world. And then you fast forward to the 18th and 19th centuries. At this point in time, yellow fever was considered one of the most dangerous infectious diseases. And it was sweeping through major cities of the United States and in other parts of the world. Because of this, scientists all around the world began working on trying to find a vaccine for it. Then in the late 1930s, scientists in Brazil had developed the 17D vaccine, which protected individuals from yellow fever. Now, we need to pause right here and talk about a few things, okay? So around this time in history, between 1932 to 1945, the Imperial Japanese Army was trying to develop different biological weapons. Of course, the United States and Japan, they had beef. And when the United States learned about this, they started watching them more closely. Eventually, the FBI was spying on Japan, and they found out, hey, they're trying to obtain the yellow fever virus. Now, during this time period, Pearl Harbor happened as well. Because of the combination of these things, in January of 1942, the United States military decided to vaccinate all active duty personnel with the yellow fever vaccine. This decision was based largely on the fear of Japan launching a biological attack with that virus. Even though the vaccine had not yet been licensed for civilian use in the United States, and an FDA approval would not be available until 1953. Now, another thing to remember is that during this period, these Brazilian scientists were slowly rolling out this vaccine that they had created, and they were kind of like studying its effects. Of course, they heard about the United States military vaccinating all of their military members, and the Brazilian scientists kind of warned the United States. They told them, and we quote, Hey, we were studying this vaccine and learned that it was contaminated by an icterus virus that had originated in normal human serum. We solved this problem by exclusion of human serum from the vaccine production. Maybe you guys should do the same before giving it to your military. However, United States scientists said, Nah, we're good. We're not taking advice from a less developed country. They legitimately stated that from a less developed country. One who developed the vaccine that you're using. So in 1942, all United States military personnel received the yellow fever vaccine, and soldiers who refused it were told that they were going to be court-martialed if they didn't. Now, this vaccine, of course, contained human serum, which Brazil scientists were warning the United States about, and what happened was disastrous. Following the vaccinations, multiple reports started trickling in of soldiers having unexplained jaundice. They just wake up one morning and they were all yellow. Only two months later, in March of 1942, there was an outbreak of unexplained hepatitis B among military personnel. It was discovered that approximately 330,000 military members had contracted hepatitis B. 51,000 of them were hospitalized, and 100 of them ended up dying. Finally, on April 15, 
1942, so three months later, the United States halted the yellow fever vaccination. So that's 110,000 a month that had contracted hepatitis B. Yeah. And they were still pushing that vaccine out to the military members. That's crazy. Yeah. And that right there is our first vaccination disaster. And by the way, Dan, have you heard of that before? I've never heard of that. Yeah, I really had to dig for the Brazil information. If you look that up, it's really hard to find that the Brazilian scientists were warning the United States military, hey, you probably need to change up the vaccine a little bit because we're finding some weird stuff going on with it. And they just ignored them. Of course. All right. This entire disaster, it doesn't stop there because another one occurred only a few years later. So, Dan, start us off with that one. All right. So our next disaster that we're going to talk about has to do with poliomyelitis, a.k.a. polio. So polio is a highly infectious viral disease that largely affects children under five years of age. Now, the children who contracted this disease would develop headaches, sore throat, and a fever. Now, these symptoms would usually pass within one to two weeks. However, on some occasions, polio would cause the child to be paralyzed. Now, because of that, this polio virus became one of the most worrying childhood diseases in the 20th century. However, on April 12, 1955, the United States government announced that the first vaccine to protect kids against polio was going to be rolled out to the public. Within days, multiple labs had made thousands of lots of the vaccine. Batches made by one company, Cutter Labs, accidentally contained live polio virus, and it caused an outbreak. More than 200,000 children got the polio vaccine. But within days, the government had to abandon the program because over 40,000 of those children who got the vaccine to protect them against polio ended up developing it right after they got the vaccine. Because of that, hundreds of those children became paralyzed and 10 of them died. Following that, the government suspended the vaccination program until it could determine what went wrong. Even though the government had increased its oversight on the vaccines, they still ended up failing to discover another problem with the polio vaccine, which caused this next disaster that we're going to talk about. Yeah, it seems like early in the vaccination process in the 40s, 50s, and 60s is when a lot of these disasters occurred because the government was so stuck on certain things they'd miss other things, like how they missed this Cutter Labs giving live polio to children. That's what happens when you rush things. Exactly. So this next one that we're going to talk about occurred between 1955 to 1963. So the United States started using monkey kidney cells to grow polio so that they could use that to develop vaccines for it. Now, the way these labs would get these monkey kidney cells is, of course, they would have to get monkeys. And how they did that is that they would import them from India. And I'm not just talking about one or two monkeys, Dan. I'm talking tens of thousands of monkeys were being imported from India. Holy shit, that's a lot of monkeys. <laughs> now, these monkeys were captured. They were all put together in one cage. And when they were transported over here, of course, the conditions were horrible. And the ones that didn't die on the journey usually ended up getting sick. Of course, the scientists would use these monkeys to grow the polio vaccine, and they weren't worried about the viruses that the monkeys already had, because the scientists believed that formaldehyde that they were using would kill the viruses. However, they were wrong. Between 1955 to 1963, around 10 to 30 percent of all polio vaccinations in the United States were contaminated with the simian virus 40, which ended up infecting millions of Americans. Now, the CDC ended up coming out and stating, oops, this is our bad, but hey, everyone, it's okay, because there is no evidence that this SV40 contamination, it doesn't harm humans, it doesn't harm anyone. You just got an extra virus in your body. Congratulations. That's what they said. However, many years later, there was a study done on 1,793 cancer patients. 
This study showed that there was a significant risk of SV40 and it causing human brain cancers, bone cancers, mesothelioma, and non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. So yeah, if you had SV40, it significantly raised your risk of developing those types of cancers. Oh man. And it doesn't stop there because it just keeps going. So the next disaster occurred in 1976. Now in February of that year, an army recruit at Fort Dix in New Jersey, he was doing his PT, you know, just normally hanging out. He just randomly ended up dying from the flu. Now after he died, multiple other recruits ended up becoming sick with the flu as well. Of course, health officials were brought in to, you know, kind of determine, hey, why did he die from the flu? And they started studying it. And these health officials stated, hey, this death and these illnesses, it's due to a new form of swine flu. And this new swine flu is very similar to the strain that caused the 1918 Spanish flu, which had killed over 50 million people worldwide. Damn. Yeah. Of course, this announcement freaked everyone out. So President Gerald Ford announced a government-funded plan to vaccinate every man, woman, and child in the United States to protect them. More than 40 million people got vaccinated. However, shortly after that, it turned out that this flu wasn't related to the 1918 Spanish flu and that it had been blown out of proportion. So how it was determined that it was blown out of proportion is that people started getting this flu and they were like, hey, it's just a mild illness. And then the health officials came out and were like, eh, sorry, we kind of fudged that one up. But hey, you got a free vaccine. And some of the people who got vaccinated began to notice some very odd side effects. So several hundred people actually developed Guillain-Barre syndrome, which is a rare disorder in which the body's immune system ends up attacking nerves. Eventually, the CDC came out and announced that the people who got the swine flu vaccination had an increased risk of about 1 in 100,000 in developing the Guillain-Barre syndrome. Because of this, the government stopped the program. <laughs> Man, CDC's giving, giving the shit job, huh? They gotta make all the announcements to everybody. Hey, uh, we screwed up with this one, guys. And their solution is, oh, we stopped the program. It's okay now. Yeah. Hey, congratulations. You got a vaccination. But hey, don't worry about it because no one else is going to get it now because, you know, you've got it. All right. So let's talk about this next disaster, which occurred in 1998. So at this time, the FDA had just approved the RotaShield vaccine, which was the first vaccine to prevent the rotavirus gastroenteritis. Now, this virus at the time, this rotavirus, it was a major cause of severe diarrhea among infants and young children globally. So parents and governments at the time were excited to finally have a vaccine for it. However, shortly after the vaccine was licensed and rolled out, some of the infants who got the vaccine started developing intussusception which is a rare type of bowel obstruction that occurs when the bowel folds in on itself. Oh, that sounds painful. Yeah, they're like, hey, you shitting too much? Well, hey, guess what? You're not going to shit at all. We're going to fold it right up. <laughs> Damn. I'm not laughing. You know, feel sorry for those kids. Following that, though, the CDC quickly recommended that the use of the vaccine be suspended and immediately started two emergency investigations to find out if receiving RotaShield vaccine was causing some of the cases of intussusception. The results of the investigations showed that the RotaShield vaccine did cause it in some healthy infants younger than 12 months of age. And that right there is the last disaster that we're going to discuss. Because now we're going to jump into some strange facts and findings that we came across when researching this topic. So the first strange fact and finding that we're going to go over is about the United States vaccine mandates. Now, in the United States, the first vaccination requirements for school children were enacted in the 1850s to prevent the spread of smallpox. Now, if you fast forward over 100 years later, almost all states in the United States require students to receive certain immunizations 
and most of the states require it for daycare centers as well. Of course, there have been debates and objections about the state mandating vaccinations, mostly due to individuals having religious or philosophical beliefs that conflict with vaccinations. Due to this, all states allow vaccination exemptions for medical reasons. 48 states allow religious exemptions, and 20 states allow philosophical exemptions. Now, I know that is not that strange of a fact, but we figured it was good information to provide you with. And another thing that we thought we should mention is the compensation program in the United States. Now, Dan, I have a question for you. Did you know in the United States, if you get a vaccination and you have a side effect, whether you die or something bad happens to you because of the vaccination, did you know that you cannot sue the manufacturer of that vaccine? I found that out about two years ago. Yeah, ain't that some bullshit, man? It is, it is. It's like, hey, we're going to do this, but, you know, you can't sue us if something bad happens. Yeah. Now, did you know that there was a compensation program that the United States has? I found that out yesterday, actually. Yeah, it's crazy. So tell us a little bit about it. In the United States, they have what is called the VICP, the National Vaccine Injury Compensation Program. This program was created in the 1980s, after lawsuits against vaccine companies and healthcare providers threatened to cause vaccine shortages and reduce U.S. vaccination rates, which could have caused a resurgence of vaccine-preventable diseases. So pretty much, the government said, hey, we can't have people suing these vaccine companies because if they do, you're going to have vaccine shortages and reduced vaccination rates, which would cause a resurgence of vaccine-preventable diseases. And we won't get paid on the side. You would think that it would make the companies develop things better. But I guess that's not the case. No, not at all. Especially with this program out there now. Yeah. So this program also states, this VICP, that any individual of any age who received a covered vaccine, side note real quick, they have covered vaccines and non-covered vaccines. Covered vaccines are the ones that like, hey, you'll get compensated if you get injured. If it's non-covered, a.k.a. the seasonal influenza vaccine, if you get that and you like have a fourth arm growing out of your butthole or something, you can't get compensated for that. That's a non-covered vaccine. Just a little FYI, okay? All right, gotcha. So if you received a covered vaccine and you believe that you were injured because of it, you can file a petition. Now, we started looking into the statistics of this compensation program, and this is what we found. Since 1988, over 25,187 petitions have been filed with the VICP. Over that 30-year time period, 9,137 of those were compensated, and 12,176 of them were dismissed. The total compensation paid over the life of the program is approximately $4.7 $4.7 billion. All right, Dan, we got to do the math in that. $4.7 billion paid out to 9,137 people. All right, so these people are receiving around half a million dollars each. Wow. It doesn't seem like a lot. It doesn't seem like a lot when you actually break it down. Hmm. Now, there's something that I want you all to keep in mind. Those 9,137 people that were compensated over that 30-year time period, that time period does not, N-O-T, not include any of the COVID-19 vaccinations. Oh, there it is. We're marked. Yeah, I mean, I mean, regardless. So, just another little FYI. This episode, even though we have stated nothing false, no misinformation, it is all facts, this episode will be marked as misinformation on Spotify. I 100% guarantee it just because we said COVID-19 or the coronavirus or vaccinations. Now we can say COVID because it's already marked. Yeah. COVID. COVID. I want somebody who has a podcast to test this out. Create an episode about anything. It could be about mountains and you're talking about how beautiful mountains are. In the middle of you talking about a mountain, I just want you to say COVID and just keep talking as if you never mentioned it. Just because you said that word, your episode will be marked as misinformation. We proved it because we did it ourselves. Yeah. 
Anyway, so yeah, these statistics that we're talking about in this compensation fund, they don't include the COVID-19 vaccinations. We're saving those statistics and that entire discussion over COVID-19 and vaccinations and all that stuff for its own episode, okay? That's right. We ain't forget about it. It's still around. We know. All right. So let's get into this last strange fact and finding that we have. Dan, tell us about it. All right. Before we get into that, we're going to take a quick break. We will be right back. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, welcome back. The last strange fact and finding is about Bill Gates and vaccinations. Now, if you are a regular listener, then you will know that around last year on Patreon, we did an episode over Bill Gates Foundation. In that episode, we talked about vaccinations and came across something odd. So the Gates Foundation, which was created by Bill Gates, it funded scientists to develop what they call quantum dots. Now, what the hell are these quantum dots used for? And what do they have to do with vaccines? Well, these dots are biocompatible dots that are injected into the skin by a microneedle. Now, these dots store data records on them of the person's vaccinations. It allows them to record, keep, and track vaccine coverage across the world. So, Let's say you got your COVID-19 vaccination and your whooping cough and tuberculosis and freaking polio vaccine and everything else. You would have that dot injected into your skin and then they would insert the information into that. So all you'd have to do is just walk up and they'd scan it and say, yep, he's had his vaccinations. He's good to go or she's good to go or the alien's good to go. And we actually have a... Uh, a link that shows this biocompatible infrared dot. And it's a research article that was written in 2019, December of 2019. Nah. Yeah. We'll uh, link that up on our website. Just go to theoriesofthethirdkind.com, references, scroll down, and you can see this link that shows you the quantum biocompatible dots made by Bill Gates himself. All right, so let's get into the theories part of today's episode. Oh, this is the fun part. This section is where we kind of discuss the hypotheticals, what the possibilities are or what they could be on the episode that we're covering. Now, before we get into that, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. All right, welcome back. So, Dan, start us off and tell us about this first theory we have. All right. So this first theory is that vaccinations are safe and that the deaths and mishaps are overblown. If you look at the statistics, you have around a one in one million chance of developing some type of serious side effect from a vaccine. Even though there is a small chance, it is blown out of proportion by the news media to get people to click on the news links and generate more revenue. Part of me wants to agree with that. Because the news media will create sensational headlines just to get clicks. However, if you look at the members of the board on certain media companies, you will see that they have health officials who are attached to these vaccination companies or these vaccine companies and stuff like that. These big pharmaceutical companies. They won't let certain stories run that give them bad publicity. Yeah. Now, on the other hand, one could say the opposite. And I hate to play devil's advocate here, but we're going to play it, okay? Might as well. This theory is that the statistics are being covered up 
and that these vaccine manufacturers are smudging the numbers and data so that they can sell more vaccines to the government and to make more money, all at the expense of human life. I don't think it would be more of them smudging numbers or data, but more so them overhyping a disease to get more vaccines produced so that they could keep selling the vaccines, right? Say, oh, everybody needs to be vaccinated because of this virus, right? And then, oh, well, you need around two of it. Oh, you need around three of it. Oh, you need a lifetime. Every year, you need a freaking vaccine of this shit. So that's our, well, kind of two theories right there, overblown and covered up. Yeah, that's what we'll call those. I don't know. I see the covered up one. I would say more along the lines that might, the hospitals might be overblowing it pretty much. Why would they be overblowing it, though? Funding. They don't get funding for the vaccines, though. That's all the pharmaceutical companies, the manufacturers of the vaccines. Think of like COVID. They report deaths of COVID. They get more funding for that. So if they report like, say, hey, you know, the disease, we have a lot of it going on here. We need more vaccines. Not only do the, the pharmaceutical companies get money, but then the government will fund the hospitals to provide care for the people that do have the disease. Okay. So basically it all comes down to is money. Money. Yeah. Okay. All right. So tell us about this next theory, Dan. All right. So this next theory is that vaccinations are a way for the government to target specific portions of the population to kill off and eventually keep the population down, a.k.a. depopulation. You know, if, if you don't listen to out there theories, you would think this is kind of crazy. But if you think back to our human experimentation episode where we discuss the United States and their history of human experimentation, this doesn't sound so far out there. It doesn't. For them to be targeting specific portions of the population. I wouldn't say so to kill off, but try to see if maybe a certain type of disease or virus affects a certain part of the population. So pretty much like what the next theory is. Exactly what this next theory is, which is that the elites are rolling out the vaccinations on majority of the population first to use us as guinea pigs. Now, once they deem the vaccination safe is when they will take them. Or maybe it's just they don't get the vaccinations and these vaccinations just make us docile and keep us at bay. Mm, I don't know about that last part. But I could see definitely using us as guinea pigs to test it out before they get it. Yeah. But it's kind of similar to this next theory that we got, Dan. This next theory is similar to the previous one, like you said, except it involves aliens instead of the elites. So what if aliens are secretly in control of government and they are the ones developing vaccines as a way to test certain things on the human population? You know... I don't really like this one because if you think aliens, right, if they're truly here and they traveled millions of light years, their technology is far superior than ours. They probably have like a sensu bean that they pop in their mouth and it eradicates every single disease alive and it makes them live in pure bliss and euphoria. That'd be awesome. Just <laughs> just saying. Uh, so I don't see the need for them to create vaccines. You know, I could see this more as a time traveler, maybe. Follow me on this, okay? Let's say in the far distant future, the human population starts developing this rare disease. And this disease makes us age extremely fast. Just like Baba Vanga, the oh, yeah. prophet, had said, hey, many years down the road, the human population will get a disease that will make them age very quickly. All right? So let's say this disease comes along. At the same time, the human race has developed time travel. So as the population is dwindling down, they realize we don't have time to develop a vaccine now. Let's send a time traveler back in time with a bunch of these vaccines, roll them out to the population so that our timeline becomes fixed. And then we don't have to worry about this aging disease or whatever disease it may be. So these vaccinations are some of them are from time travelers from the future. So pretty much they're taking a gamble. Yeah. Because, I mean, of course, some of these vaccines, disasters that we've listed, there's been a lot of deaths. So they're taking a gamble with that if coming back, creating a vaccine, and then they might not even be alive in the future, might not even exist yeah. because their parents or grandparents, great-grandparents 
died from the vaccine. Yeah. Something fun to think about. I mean, it'd make a good book. It would. The Vaccination Time Traveler. Shoot. If anything, like say with the aliens, what if they're the ones that bring forth the disease? Like they have these diseases and they're just like, you know, we're going to drop this one here in this area, this one here in this area as an experiment to see how well the humans can come up with the vaccine or to overcome that disease. That I could see if they were assholes. Kind of like testing us? Yeah. Okay. And that's why we're like, where the hell are these diseases coming from? Yeah, because, I mean, that one syndrome that I talked about on a theory Thursday, the sleeping one, they have no idea where the hell that came from. Then they've never found a cure for it either. The encephalitis lethargica? Yes. Okay. Yep. You're right. They have no idea where it came from. Yeah, and there was no cure for it either. It just came out of nowhere and it kind of just disappeared. Aliens are coming down and they're like uh, dropping these random viruses just to watch us. These viruses are like their child's science experiment. Hey, Dad, look, I made this virus, polio virus. Let's go test it out on the humans. So, yeah, those are some of the popular theories when it comes to vaccinations, right? Yeah. Now, there is one last theory that I want to talk about, and it's not so much a theory, but more of like a statement as to why. I mean, this is my personal opinion, and you can say whether you agree or not, Dan. But it's my personal opinion as to why there's so much mistrust in vaccinations. Now, a lot of individuals and organizations, they pose a question, right? You'll see it all over the media, all over the news. Like, why do Americans or just, you know, people in general distrust vaccinations when the scientific data backs it up? Every time I see these statements being made by these organizations or news media outlets. They pose it as if it's some like huge question, sort of like, what is life? Somebody must solve this. That, that's how they act about it, you know? And my whole thing is that, hey, it's not that big of a question. It's fairly simple. The whole thing is that it's the organization's fault. They manufactured this distrust in the people. So if you think back, when vaccinations first got rolled out, you had the issue in 1955 with the polio incident, right? Then shortly after that, in 1976, you had the issue with the swine flu vaccinations. Now, around that same time period, you had the civil rights era, and people were watching TV, and they were seeing cops beating the hell out of people. And then you had the Vietnam War going on, which people began to get, you know, disgusted with killing and they started protesting more. And then you had the Watergate scandal and the president of the United States at the time literally lying through his teeth. I think all of these things happening around that time period, all of those combined kind of led to a real distrust of authorities and the federal government. This distrust has only progressed as time has gone forward. And I think the real reason why people distrust vaccinations is due to the organizations and the government causing this distrust for them being dishonest. 100% that's what it is. If you want people to trust you, you have to be honest. And all of those things combined make it to where their population does not trust them. I can see that, especially with the media, because back then the media, they were honest about what they found. Nowadays, it's, oh, get this, it works, get this, it works. And then, of course, you got the person that talks really fast like this, telling you about the side effects of it and all that stuff. <laughs> all the, everything's bought and paid for by these pharmaceutical companies, and you can't trust what the media says. You can trust us. We aren't bought and paid for by the pharmaceutical companies. They can all go fuck themselves. Exactly. Glaco Klein Smith, Johnson & Johnson, eat a dick. Boom. In your face. You know, those commercials are only in the United States. Those, um, what are those called? Uh, prescription commercials? Are they really? Yeah. Where it's like, if you are a loved one or suffering from... Mesothelioma. Mes no, not mesothelioma. If you are a loved one, can't get an erection, then look up... And then at the end, it's like... You may experience pruritus where your penis is hard for more than four hours and you may cause a stroke, depression, anxiety. It lists off like every single thing in the entire world. If you have an erection lasting longer than four hours, please call 911 or go to the emergency room. Yeah. That happens to me every day, though. Anyways. <laughs> oh, man. That's why I don't hear from you for those like four hours. Yeah. 
All right. Well, that's my whole theory as to why there's a giant mistrust in vaccinations at the current time. I don't know. I feel like I feel like you're right about that in that it was like more three to four years ago where I started noticing more people talk about not getting the vaccines and all that stuff because they don't trust them and all that stuff. And that was more, you know, I say recent three to four years. But before that, it seemed like, you know, everyone was fine with getting the vaccines and whatnot. I honestly, I'd say the newer stuff that came out, I don't really trust it just because they pushed it out way too fast. That's how I feel like if they do enough, I actually go through the whole process and everything like that and actually do the testing. I'm I'm fine with it. Yeah, that whole process and testing is great. There's vaccinations that are wonderful that have helped the human race tremendously. But the vaccinations that are pushed out via the EUA. mm. Yeah, they're questionable. And, you know, I don't see anything being wrong with questioning things that you don't trust. Question it 100 percent. Don't take people's word for it. Don't take our word for it. Don't take the government's word for it. Question it and look into it yourself. Okay. question everything. Yeah. And we aren't sitting here telling you not to get the vaccine. Do whatever the hell you want to do. You're your own person. Okay. so there you go. Free will, man. You can make any choice you want. Yep. All right. Well, with that being said, do you have anything uh, else you want to add to today's episode or anything, Dan? No, not really. Just I didn't know that there was that many disasters on vaccines <laughs> that they won't, don't talk about, really. Yeah, they don't really uh, talk about them or cover them, especially now. Oh, especially now. Yeah. Because they, they want to build that trust up again. Yeah. I'll be surprised if this episode stays up for that long. Not because we take it down, because it gets taken down. Should we make bets? <laughs> I say it stays up. I think it's going to stay up. Yeah, I say it stays up. I don't think it gets taken down. On YouTube, it might get taken down. Yeah, I mean, Spotify will definitely get marked as misinformation. Oh, 100%. It'll get marked. It won't get taken down, though. No. Uh-uh. Anyways, did you see on TikTok the, uh, the video that I had on there of uh, George Bush uh, playing golf and then the guy, the Iraqi war veteran, yelling at President Bush about the million Iraqis who died because he lied? Oh, yeah, the one that you created. Yeah. Yeah. Did you see that TikTok took it down for hate? Yep. And what is it? Hate misinformation? What? No, it's not misinformation. Are you kidding me? So, someone reported it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well. Because you posted that up in like January, right? Yeah, posted up a long ass time ago. And now it's just being taken down? Like, yeah. oh, come on. Hmm. Anyway, all right. Well, that is the end of the episode today. I hope you all enjoyed it. It was a good one. If you want to learn more about the monkeypox that's going around and the weird stuff that happened, with the truck months ago crashing and the monkeys being released and the FBI trying to capture them and the correlation between the monkeypox outbreak and those monkeys getting loose, it's freaking weird, man. We talk about it on our Patreon episode today. If you aren't signed up, head over there, patreon.com forward slash theories of the third kind. You pay your five bucks, you get access to every single episode we've done on there, 121 of them. And it links up with your phone so you can listen to it on your phone. Okay, there you go. Just remember, though, it charges on the first of every month. So if you're going to join, do it like first. Well, first right week. now would be a perfect time to yeah. join. I mean, it's the 8th of the month. You'll have plenty of time. Do not join on the 29th or 30th or 31st because you're going to get charged then and then you'll get charged again on the first. We do not control that. That's all Patreon. Yep. All right. So that's the end of the episode. So now I guess we transition to our on the scene. Oh, on the scene. We got a good one this week? Oh, yeah. We got a really good one. Nice. So if you don't know what our on the scene is, it is where an individual goes and interviews anyone. It can be your mother, brother, sister, uncle, alien, anyone, and gets their opinion on current conspiracy happenings. Now, anyone can do this, including you. Yes, you. All you have to do is get your phone and record the person you're talking to. Make sure the recording is less than two minutes long. And email it to either Dan or me or both of us. And you can find our emails on our website under contact. And uh, attach the audio file, send it, and we will put it in line to play at the end of the show each week. Hell yeah. So our on the scene this week comes from Young Agumon. Young Agumon. We haven't gotten a voicemail from him in a really long time. It has been a while. So we're going to play that one right now. Yo, this is Young Agumon with the On The Scene, Alaska version. Shout out to everybody. Shout out to Theories of the Third Kinders. 
It's been a long time, right? So I'm here with my boy Danny. We in Fairbanks, Alaska right now. Danny, um, just want to get your take on what do you believe? What are your conspiracies about Alaska? What's going on up here? Alaska is uh, it's the beginning of time, but at the same time, it's the end of time. It's where darkness and daylight have a meeting at the beginning and the end of each day and figure out how it is that time is to exist. Now, what is the craziest shit about, like, Fairbanks that is, like, a conspiracy that people don't know about up here? Like, we've had conversations, like, about cloning and shit, like, up here, and I've told you my experience about, like, shit, but, like... Let them know about what's going on up here. So the craziest shit about Fairbanks is, um, you know, when you hear about all those FEMA camps and all that psychological warfare being played on the rest of the United States, this is where they do all those experiments before it's imported to the rest of the United States or exported to the rest of the United States, have you. Um, this is basically where they take a, a little a little idea and they drop it in the pond and they measure the wavelengths and then they turn around and drop it in every other state in the entire union. So what they do is they practice all that MK Ultra bullshit that everybody's heard about. All that crazy shit with medication, with fluoride, with psychotropics, with the harp system, Tesla, blah blah blah, all that conspiratorial shit. This is the research and development and the proving grounds for engineering society engineering the weather patterns engineering the global system that the quote-unquote world elitists are developing all right so just one more thing before we go can you tell me anything about some russian cults up here i've heard a lot about cults going on and you know secret societies what's going on with that man so i honestly believe that every form of government that has existed throughout the entire form of humanity have they've all set up their own societies up here in Alaska and what they've done is they've kind of made it like a sharecropping situation where there are certain parts of the community here in the Fairbanks North Star Borough along with the rest of the entire state of Alaska where you can find diplomatic grounds for different countries where they host housing developments, they host housing projects to where they can send their own people here and develop their own populace, their own citizenship and whatnot. So it, it it's, I'm not trying to expand on your question too far. Um, you know, we, we can develop that topic later on, on another podcast. Um, but it's, it's pretty much the trial and error system for the new world. All right, so y'all heard it from up here. We in Fairbanks, Alaska. Obviously, y'all can hear from the accent. I'm not from Fairbanks, but this is young Agumon. We on the scene, Fairbanks, Alaska. We taking it right back to Danny. We taking it right back to Aaron. I love y'all on Discord. I'm still around. Shout out to y'all on the scene. Later. Nice. Young Agumon, I love you. I just want to say that. Love that, man. Love him. Okay, I previously stated two minutes maximum for audio recordings. <laughs> His was three minutes and 46 seconds. I let it pass because it's young Agumon. He's been around for a long time and the shit he just talked about. I was not expecting that at all. No, that is weird. A testing ground for the United States government to test things and then roll out to different parts of the population, which we talked about that earlier, right? How the government takes and tests certain individuals in certain parts of the population. Bill Gates Foundation, they did that. Exactly. So weird. We need to go to Alaska. I don't know. I don't want to be a test subject. No, we don't have to get tested. <laughs> we just go up there and we do some investigation. I hear Bigfoot's up there, too. Well, we'll go up there and rope them. Ooh. I'll bring my rope and uh, bring a couple horses and we'll track them down. Oh, nice. horseback riding. Okay, okay. We're going old school. Hell yeah. Well, anyways, thank you, young Agumon. I love you. I'm proud of you. Hey, send those on the scenes. I can't get enough of them. Love them. Hell yeah. Much love, Agumon. All right. So now we're going to transition into shout outs. All right, Dan. 
Who do you got for shout outs this week? All right. We'll start off with just the normal shout outs. Got Heather B, Andrew D, Colton P, uh, Brennick and his wife, Jaya. I think I said that right. Now, they sent this on August 2nd. That is when his wife gave birth to a baby girl named Winry. So congratulations on that. Wah, wah, congratulations. Wah. You get to hear that now. <laughs> now, uh, Chris W., Jim V., Mandy S., Michelle S., Jorge L., Shane V., John Cruz, Shamir N., Nick R., Jared J., Edward K., then Nicholas SR. Bro, keep pushing forward, broski. Even when you are at the lowest point in your life, you can only go up from there. Keep climbing that mountain. Never stop. Keep climbing. That's right. Never give up. That's all I have for my shout-outs for now. Nice. All right. I want to give a shout-out to Brian M. Shout-out to you. Shout-out to Tyler Schwatter. He says, keep kicking ass. I'd love to hear an episode about gang stalking. I used to get stalked by gangs. Just kidding. Oh, let's say really? No. <laughs> um, let's see. But yes, we have that episode uh, planned out, by the way. Shout out to Amir Hassan. He said, hey, my birthday's on September 6th. And I was wondering if I could shout out from you guys. Well, hey, we're a couple days late. Happy birthday. I'm proud of you and I love you. And hey, you know what? I'm going to email you right now because we're recording this on September 6th. Happy birthday, Amir. Happy birthday, Amir. Uh, I am recording your shout out right now. Proud of you. And I love you. Heck so. There you go, Amir. Boom. All right. Uh, let's see. Shout out to KB. Love the Giants episode. Well, thank you, KB. Uh, also, KB wanted me to say, congratulations, you are a senior, Isaac. Congratulations on being a senior in high school, Isaac. Well, I thought a senior is an age. No, 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 no. <laughs> uh, Isaac is the KB's son. It's their light and their heart. Oh, congratulations, Isaac. Congratulations. Your parent is proud of you. Life's only beginning now. <laughs> You're paying rent now, bitch. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Uh, I want to give a shout out to Angel Guerrero. They wrote me an entire Eminem remixed Stan song, but it's to me and it's custom and I love it. So it was badass. Aaron read it to us. Yeah, I, I ran upstairs and I was like, hey, guys, listen to this. And I read out the entire thing. It was great. I love it. Shout out to you. All right. So now I guess we transition to birthday shout outs. Yeah. All right. So the first birthday shout out I got is from. Rodolfo Vasquez. He says, hey, brother, in my Hulk Hogan voice, I'm a Patreon listener and a huge fan. I live in Texas and hope to meet y'all one day. Wanted to know if y'all could sing happy birthday to my wife, Erica. I want to tell her I'm proud of her and thank you for allowing me to talk her ear off with all the theories that you provide me. I love her and our two beautiful kids. Proud of y'all. And Dan, welcome to Texas. Why, thank you. Happy birthday, Erica. Dan's going to sing it for you. Take it away, Dan. Happy birthday to you oh nice i like that all right so my next birthday shout out goes to kcs says hey actually it's not even to kcs it's to kcs's wife bria and this was actually supposed to be on july 27th he said hey i love listening to your podcast on spotify be excellent if you could give a shout out in a hobbit style or such folksy thing dan <laughs> wait, 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 wait. What do they want? A birthday shout out in a Hobbit style or such folksy thing. And it's to his wife, Bria. Don't Hobbits just talk normally? I don't know. You do it. Do it. Happy birthday to Bria. Happy birthday to Bria. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. Let's all go chug Sorry. some beer. I don't know. <laughs> Sorry we missed you. Proud of you. Love you. And that's all my birthday shout outs. All right. So I got three birthday shout-outs. This birthday shout-out is to J-Kid's girlfriend named Madison. Her birthday was on August 15th, and maybe you guys could serenade her with your awesome voices. So, Aaron, I will let you serenade Madison. Madison, we meet again. Give her some Creed. 
It's been a while. Where should we, happy girl? Happy birthday. Happy birthday, Madison. Then the next birthday shout-out I have is to Jeremy Skiles. Think I said that right? His birthday was on June 30th. Uh, I don't know if he had any requests special like that. I have to go through my messages here. Da, 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 da. Here we go. My birthday was on thir- was on the 30th of June, but again, I messaged in the wrong place. But a shout-out would be amazing. So pretty much, Aaron, you're just going to serenade Jeremy anyways. Let him have it. Jeremy! Wait, hold on. What's that song by, uh, is it like Pearl Jam Jeremy? Is it Pearl Jam? Hold on. I don't know. Uh, Jeremy. Pearl Jam. Yeah, Jeremy. Uh, how does that song go? At home drawing pictures of mountaintops with yellow in the sun. That song? You know what I'm talking about? No, I don't actually. Happy birthday, Jeremy. Happy birthday, Jeremy. We're probably going to get copyrighted just for singing. Just for that, because you sounded just like it, probably. Sorry. Then, birthday shout out to Jared Brusso. He's like, my birthday is July 25th. I'm a Patreon member, and I look forward to new shows every week. Can you guys sing me happy birthday in an Arnold Schwarzenegger voice? I don't think I can do an Arnold Schwarzenegger. Get to the chopper. There's no time to waste. Happy birthday. That was actually pretty good. That's my first time doing that voice. Happy birthday, Jerry, because I'm not going to try to impersonate that. I think Aaron did a hell of a job with that one. Get to the chopper. There's no time to waste. Who is your daddy and when's your birthday? <laughs> <laughs> Who is your daddy and what does he do? Oh, man, that hurts my voice. Ugh. All right. <laughs> Happy birthday, Jared. And that is the last of my birthday shout-outs. All right, so there's one more shout-out I want to give. And it is to Connor and his wife. Connor was placed on a ventilator early Monday morning. He has cancer and he's going through chemo. So I need everybody... If you do prayers, do prayers. If you send good vibes, good vibes. I need everyone to like raise their hands up as in like, you know, Goku off Dragon Ball Z. I was just thinking that. Gather up all of your energy and send it to Connor in Oklahoma. Okay. To Connor and his wife. Send all of your good energy over there. He fucking needs it. Okay. And if you're listening to this, Connor, we're right there with you. Okay. You got this. I don't care who you are, wherever you are, if you're listening to this and you hear it right now, you put your hand in the air. And you send that energy to them, okay? You're going to get through this where we are proud of you and we love you. Proud of you and love you, man. All right, so that's the end of our shout-out section. Yep. you have anything else you want to say or state or discuss before we roll this episode out? I got nothing. All right, well, I want to thank you for joining us today. And again, thank you for your support. You were all amazing, every single one of you. So with that being said, Dan, you want to roll us out? Sure will. It's okay to be out of this world with your thoughts. Because you are not alone. America, we are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. To serve others in ways that promote human flourishing and create a ripple effect of transformation for generations to come, find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu.